The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Summer is the best time of the year. We're talking vacation, the beach, lots of sun, and of course, sports. While you're sipping on your favorite beverage by the pool, why not get a little action on the games? Whether you like MLB, MMA, golf, or anything else, my bookie is the place to bet. Their mobile site is easy to use and allows you to make bets from anywhere. No hassle, no waiting in line, no need to get off the couch. Now is the perfect time to replenish your bank account after that vacation. Or if you're getting ready to take a vacation. And to make sure you've got plenty of bankroll come football season. Maybe you want to drop a futures bet on next year's NBA champion or back to your favorite player to win the Heisman Trophy. My bookie wants you to have as much fun as possible this summer. And what's more fun than winning while winning money while watching sports? Just visit mybookie.ag today to get started. Then try our luck on outsmarting the odds makers. But wait, if you deposit with promo code Panther25 today, my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Panther25. And my bookie, you play, you win, you get. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. Happy Friday to you guys. We made it another week. I'm sure you guys, school is letting out. Or it's already out. I mean, my kids are out and obviously enjoying life. You know, they're going to the. I think they're going to the movies that I want to see. The funny see Detective Pikachu. I don't know. All I know is the time. All I know is the times on that show are dwindling right now, and eventually it's going to be become available in the theaters. But anyways, I guess I'm getting some little stack on Twitter because uh, Josh Joy, I guess, posted a tweet or an article about the uh, Lemieux season from a where he had 199 points and. Gretzky got the uh, most viable player, and I kind of stated, you know, some reasons why Gretzky won the MVP that year. For one thing, the Kings went from 30 wins to 42 when Gretzky joined on. He had a 168-point season, of course. His um, his time in L.A., you know, helped hockey in the West Coast and helped with future expansion. But, of course, Josh took a little... I guess uh, he took one context on my tweet about it. He mentioned should uh, expansion teams be considered when MVP voting. And that's not really what I meant. I was I was trying to explain a bigger picture, but obviously he took one line out of my um, tweet and, of course, threw, out, threw it to his minions, and they're obviously loving it. But, you know, statistic-wise, Josh has a fair point. I get it. And, but like with any MVP voting, there's always, no matter what sport it is, there's always going to be some sort of controversy. I remember when Chris Pronger won the MVP vote over Yager. That was a, I think even the local me, one person local media voted for Pronger and even wrote an article as to why he did it. And of course, you know, Penn's fans weren't, still weren't too happy with it. Because, you know, we because mainly because, you know, sports fans always get, you know, caught up by the media by not supporting their teams but then, you know the local media goes and votes for somebody else anyways 
you know, that little uh, part is getting a bunch of Twitter likes for everybody. And of course, uh, good old hockey man out of here <laughs> just told me that Robbie Brown and uh, who is Robbie Brown, Bob Ira were Lemieux's uh, line mates. So, yeah, the, the floodgates of uh, Penn's Twitter is probably going to come down on me here pretty soon. But anyways, it's always a fun um, debate. I mean, yeah, Wayne Gretzky had 168 points that year. And, you know, the Kings improved to 42 wins that year from 30. And not to mention, Gretzky was still a darling in the NHL. And any little thing he was going to do for that team was going to get magnified, which it did. I mean, for Lemieux, it's just a case of uh, that happening. I mean, the only way Mary probably gets to MVP that year is if, so, if they, is if they, you know, they have the best record in the NHL. Maybe they win the cup. You know, it, it just depends on how they grade the MVP voting. Is it during the regular season, or is it you know they include playoffs? But you know, it just is what it is. I mean. People loved Wayne. I mean, the guy won a bunch of cups with Edmonton, and he sold hockey. And not to say Lemieux didn't do it either. He sold hockey as well. There were a lot of good, te- you know, there were a lot of good players from that era. Lots of them. I mean, Wayne and Mary weren't the only ones. Anyways, guys, let's get back to some pit stuff. Obviously, some random tidbits, you know, from the, you know from the, this past week, Matt Cavanaugh and, um, Craig, Hay- Ironhead, Ironhead Hayward are, um, they're, um, candidates for the, um, College Football Hall of Fame, and you can't go wrong with either one of these guys, for obvious reasons, um, well, they both have really great careers, I mean, Matt Cavanaugh won a national championship at Pitt, You know, he won two bowl MVPs. Ironhead was an was an All American and a Heisman finalist. You know, both these guys were really good players. Ironhead, obviously, you know, he's not with us anymore. He passed away, you know, I think it was just about a decade ago, over a decade ago, obviously. Both these guys went to the NFL. You know, Matt coached in the NFL and in college as well, and I think he's still bouncing around the pros. Ironhead, I guess, played in the pros for a little while. He had some success with the Saints. Played for the Falcons, too, but then his career came to an end. You know, big lumbering guy he was. And on top of that, Harold Lake had a little, you know, had a little way, um, interview going with, uh, in terms of the, you know, the ACC network that's, you know, coming on. And basically, you know, the Ohio game, I believe, is 11 a.m. kickoff or. And I guess it was because of the Pirates game, and of course they're trying to pitch, trying to be partners with the ACC network as best as they can, and that's just the unfortunate part about it. That I mean, there's gonna be times we don't like, and it's because Pitt has to act in accordance with the ACC network. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how much the revenue is going to be, and no, I don't think Heather knows either. But with ESPN, I think they're going to have better negotiating power. But any extra money is going to help, you know. It's obviously not going to have as much flack as the uh, or power as the SEC network. It may compete with the uh, Big Ten network. But the thing about the Big Ten is, I think they're more affiliated with Fox than anything. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're more affiliated with Fox. 
but also you got to worry about cable companies as well. Who's going to pick? You know, who's going to pick these networks up? I, you know, I've, I've AT&T U-verse, so Lord knows you know, what I'll get. I mean, I, I lost the I lost the NFL Network over you know the last few months because of their whatever AT&T had with whatever company carries NFL Network. But if I go on Direct DirecTV, I can get it, and I really don't feel like switching providers, even though they're under the same belt. I don't feel like going from you know from cable to dish. No, but unless there's no, I mean, if there's no difference in light, I mean, I feel free to light me. Heather also said that there was um, an uptick in merchandise sales over ever since the re, you know the quote unquote rebranding. Obviously, money is going to go up. I mean, it's beautiful merchandise. People love it. It's a lot better than what we've had in the past. I mean, of course, during the '90s, the, the script looked kind of ugly. It's because we were, you know, you know, a lot of our programs were in the shitter. Going to the torch cut and stuff, you know, you know, made Pitt look a little better. But of course, we lost Pitt, went to Pittsburgh, and that just didn't help in the long run. Eventually, we went back to Pitt, and the merchandise wasn't any better. I mean, once we got going back to script, things seemed a little improve a little bit, but not, you know. But now we're back, and all is well. Also, speak, also pit football related. Dino Babers, I guess had a little had a little camp, and I guess where he hosts a lot of um, recruits, especially from the uh, northeast. And he urged them to stay home. And if they if, if they're not going to Syracuse, he wants them to go to Pitt. So you know, obviously, Pitt a boost from that guy. Because you know a lot of these kids are going elsewhere. They're going to other other programs. If they're, if they're not going to Penn State, they're going to Ohio State, you know, Michigan, or they're going south. And you know, Dino wants these guys to stay home. And you know, I understand that. But the thing about that is, these programs got to give these kids reasons to stay home, not just tell them to stay home. What you know? What you know? What you know, if I'm a recruit, why should I stay in the Northeast? What what benefit does it have for me? And that's the thing. Are are we going to win games? Or are we going to are we going to be, be a laughing stock? Are we going to be or I'm going to play mediocrity? You know what what kind of future do you guys have for me? You know, a lot of questions to be asked. You know, basically, you know. Are you going to give me the tools to be successful and not so much the football part of it, but also after football or after college? I mean, it just, you know, like I said, it's easy to tell these kids to stay, but you got to give them reasons to. Also, Pitt Hoops landed a um, a grad transfer, I believe. Eric Hamilton, a 6'9 power forward. He transferred from UNC Greensboro, and he's going to Pitt. And I guess Pitt was Pitt has been in the mix for him, but he feels he can be the uh, missing piece to um to the Pitt program. I mean, look, reading this article here from uh, Mike Wilson of Cardiac Hill, he began his college career at Wichita State under Greg Marshall. He played, you know, he, he played forty some games, but didn't really do much statistically and didn't play much at all. He goes to UNC Greensboro and gets he averages like six points and four rebounds and. 
And now here's the pit. And I'm, I mean, I don't know how this is going to work out. He thinks he could be the missing piece, but I don't know. I mean, if you haven't really done anything at Wichita State or Greensboro, I don't know how you're going to end up at, how you're going to do a pit. I mean, I mean, that doesn't mean the guy sucks. I hope he succeeds here, but I'm not sure if he's really going to be the missing piece or not. I mean, if anything, he, if anything, it feels like we just put, got a body, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, uh, and I love to be wrong. <clears throat> now let's move on to some other non-pit stuff, and actually there's a lot of them. One of them was Pittsburgh-related, actually. Um, Steve Blass obviously got himself into some hot water. Um, there was an incident. Uh, basically, Ronnie Ronald Alsuna Jr. from the Braves got hit by a pitch, and I guess his middle as he was gathering himself, and I guess he was going to go to the base. Steve got all pissed off about the, the about, about about the guy wearing the chain and made some comments, and of course drew some you know got himself in some hot water and like I just mentioned and and of course Twitter obviously was filled with I guess a battlefield of you know Steve Blast takes a lot of people came to Steve's defense and you know all Steve had to do really was just shut up and broadcast that's all he had to do his his comments basically had nothing really to do with the game whatsoever And basically, if I'm a baseball person, I really don't care about some guy, some player's jewelry. I really, I, you know, it doesn't bother me one bit. Obviously, I'm I'm almost forty, and Steve's seventy-seven, I believe, or I don't know if he's give or take. I'm not sure if he's young or older. I may I may have that his age not not right, but obviously, Steve comes from a different era than I than I, than I did, and so. Obviously, Steve just didn't like that stuff, and but it's you know it's not related to the game whatsoever. The guy got hit by a pitch. Just broadcast the game. Nobody's there to hear your displeasure about somebody wearing gold chains. So just keep it moving. And of course, you know I don't think the guy. I don't think Steve is racist. I mean, a lot of people came the road to defend them from different you know different backgrounds and ethnicities they defended Steve but um it just you know that moment in time when he said you know people said you know it it can be easily be taken as a uh that type of a comment and they and with that type of you know with that type of comment people are going to assume other stuff as well about Steve it's it's just you're, you're you make that language and you got to just for Steve's t- for Steve's sake, he probably should have clarified it a little a little better, because he basically he left himself on an island, and that's just what happened. And uh, you know, given all the stuff that he's done in the past for you know, say, you know, for minority players, it doesn't excuse you know the you know the the Tony took. But, uh, you know, as far as losing his job, a suspension, he doesn't need to warrant that at all. I mean, if, if anything, next time he just needs to do better, that's all. I mean, just clarify what you're saying. Because people can easily... I mean, because here's the thing. I don't really watch a Pirates broadcast like I used to because I'm, you know, I'm not in Pittsburgh. 
And there's a lot of these people that, that don't watch Pirates baseball. So when that clip gets thrown on social media, it's just easy to make you a target. People are just going to ping, ping, ping. They're not going to research anything on Blast or anything at all. They're just going to go at you head on with that because they, they they all make automatically assume when you make that comment and you're an old man, they're going to assume everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's been some debates about it. I mean, basically, he he should have you know chosen better words or not, or not just or not say anything at all because it really had nothing to do with the you know, nothing to do with the game whatsoever. But anyways, let's hope for all the best parties. Now we get to some other stuff. Some other fun things. Well, first of all, the NBA changed their... Um, they want to remove the term owner from their um, vocabulary in terms of their um, you know, their, their leadership and from, from teams. And I guess other other um, people have done this before. I guess I guess the uh, Steve Ballmer, I guess the guy from the, the Clippers, he doesn't use the term owner. He uses chairman. And I guess other people have been following suit with this stuff. And I guess they want to remove the term owner because the league's eight percent black, and it just—it's not—they don't feel it's too PC to, for the players to to refer to um, you know the the, as the operators of the team as owners. And obviously, this has drawn a lot of um, backlash. A lot of people aren't happy with it. I took a stab at, it and I figured you know this is the NBA's way of trying to continually build bridges and relationship with their with their players. I mean, for what I mean. Let's let's face this. One person pointed pointed out to me when I tweeted this. It's a players' league anyway. The players run the league for the most part, so they have a lot they have a lot more power than we than we think. And if you look at the NFL, it's always the players versus the owners. So with anything, it's always players versus owners. You know, Le'Veon Bell versus Steelers ownership, Antonio Brown versus Steelers ownership. And a lot of things can get, definitely can get taken out of context with all these with a lot of these you know these negotiations and, and things, and a lot of it did. I mean, let's face it: with the Steelers' off season, there was really no winners in this. Antonio Brown took a hit on his on his reputation. So did Le'Veon Bell. So did Ben Roethlisberger. So did Steelers' ownership. There was really no winners at all with that with, with all these with these battles, and there still isn't. And of course, I'm in a parking garage, and there's somebody in here talking, and they're talking way loud. So, and I think, hmm, I don't know. Hold on, I think it's a domestic thing. This guy's, I don't know if it is or not. I just heard open the door. Sometimes in this parking garage, when I do my walks through here, people just don't understand about the Bluetooth in their car, because there's one person who always. It's the same car always. They're always looking at porn. And every time I pass, there's all kind of moaning and stuff going on. And it's just them in the car. And I guess maybe they just need their porn fix. I'm not sure. But back to this whole NBA ownership thing. I, that, that's that's my reasoning for why they're, they're going with this whole thing. It's, it's to continually build bridges and relationships with the players. To say, hey, you know what? We understand with the owner thing, sometimes there's this invisible barrier between 
that gets created between players and upper management because with the owners thing. Here with this owner thing, we're we're on this we're, we're almost on the same level. We can talk to each other. We value each other. But the thing about this is, when people see all this, see this stuff happening, they go they mainly turn the NFL, which is what I did because I said I said look at I said they, NBA is trying to avoid you know, you know how how the NFL owners get painted a lot, but. Anytime people will talk about how great the NBA is and how progressive it's becoming, NBA ownership always has that hold my beer moment. And we had and not too long after I tweeted what I tweeted about building relationships and stuff, we have a we have a, an an incident where a, where a a guy who's part ownership with the Warriors shoves a Toronto Raptors player during a game. And of course, People got outraged. LeBron was really upset over it. Cal, Cal Lowry, who got pushed, was really upset over it. And there were some people that took to um, t- Twitter about it, and some people were mad, were mad about the, the, the. Some people were mad the owner got suspended for a year, and he got five five thousand dollars. Where's the thing? The guy's an owner. He should be held to a higher standard because he's the owner. He should know better not to do stuff like this, let alone put his hand on a player, which is what he did. And for one thing, like going back to what I was told, I said it's a players' league, and they're going to go. They're they're going to they're going to do according to the players, and that's what they did. So, I who knows? The guy may not get banned for a year. He may he may come back, you know, grant an apology, and, you know, time of healing and things like that. He you know he may he may come back. Who knows? But he's an owner. He should be held you know to to a higher standard, and he shouldn't because basically. We we look to owners as to set the standards, and this guy obviously didn't do that. And I'm hearing now that I'm reading that he may be forced to sell his shares, which I, I think is a bit extreme. I think you let you let the guy apologize and maybe try to rebuild whatever relationships he he had with, if, if anything, with the players. I mean, what kind of involvement does he have with the team? I know he's a minority owner. But what kind of involvement does he have besides money? Does he? I mean, does he interact with these players besides pushing them? Who knows? But like I said, you know, anytime we people want to take a stab at the NFL and how out of touch they are, the NBA always has this hold my beer moment, and this was again one of them. It's like not too long as you after you want to get rid of the whole ownership thing and you know try to be one with your players, you go ahead and you shove one of them during the game. Anyways, guys, that's yeah, that's just the gist of it. And of course, I'm getting battled on. I guess I'm, I guess more more uh, more 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 uh, cult replies coming to my thing, or uh, or um, people are chiming in. But anyways, what I find is sometimes you just got to uh, tweet through it. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I'm going to sign off here because I pretty much, you know, oh, you know what, speaking of hockey, I'm going to still start talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs, you saw the Raptors, they're up 2-1 to one now, and they, they lost Clay Thompson, 
they lost him for game three. He's going to come back tonight. Raptors were a plus four last game, and they're plus four this game, and that's just pretty generous. That's a pretty generous pick. But, you know, Toronto should be up 3-1 or 3-0 in this series, but a bad third quarter in game two sealed that. I'm not sure if we're going to see Kevin Durant again. It's hard to say. Maybe maybe if they go 3-1, he forced himself back in the lineup. Who knows? But, uh, you know, Toronto's made this a series, and we're going to at least get six games out of it. You know, Curry played a hell of a game in game three. It just, you know, they they, they had no help. In a lot of ways, it, se- it seemed like the Raptors were more letting him have the ball. They were letting him do what he want with it. And they were just saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> you can do it on your own. We're just going to shut down the rest of your team. But, of course, uh, as far as the Stanley Cup goes, I said when the series was tied 2-2, the Blues were going to eventually take the we're going to have to take the fight to Boston because the Blues have been pretty much over. Have been a, a reactive in this series. Although game one, they, were, they had a 2 nothing lead and they let it slip away. And after that game, you could have easily said that the Bruins were going to sweep them. But the Blues have been resilient. They, they've, been, they've battled back and they've, they're now three games of two. But that second goal last night could have been the kiss of death for them because it pissed off the Bruins. It ignited them. They, have, they eventually cut the lead to one. And had some a lot of close calls to tie it, but now we're going to Game Six at the at the Blues. The Bruins are going to be really really pissed off over this, and so I hope you know whatever intensity the Blues had in Game Five, they're got to really turn up in Game Six because the Blues are probably going to come not the Blues but the Bruins are going to come are going to come in here and they're going to blow the doors off everything. So. I mean, we, hey, you know what? We got seven games for the Stanley Cup Finals. You can't go wrong there. We make it. A, we make it seven games in the NBA Finals. It's great stuff. Anyways, guys, have a good weekend. Hell to pit. I'd like to take a second to, to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game concert or show or rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot makes great deals, a yellow dot good deals, and a red dot not so good deals. Use promo code ACAA to check out to receive $20 with your first purchase. That's two free beers at the steam on them. What are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA to take for $20 with your first purchase. SeatGeek Life is an event. We have the tickets.